Welcome to Out of Curiosity. Consider us your field guide for queer pride. You will hear from the best of the best in terms of queer business leaders, queer relationship experts, the activists working to protect us all, and everyday LGBTQ plus people that have figured a few things out so you don't have to. Out of Curiosity is brought to you by the Pride and Joy Foundation. Let's do this. Welcome to Out of Curiosity. I am your host, Elena Joy. My pronouns are she, her, and we are so excited for you to join us today. We are your field guide for queer pride from the Pride and Joy Foundation. We love to showcase the change makers in our world that are creating change and disrupting things, but also increasing the visibility of the LGBTQ plus community everywhere. And we're so excited to have a repeat guest today. She has joined us for other episodes about increasing the visibility of our queer community through book publishing. She is an incredible book coach for queer authors. And today we are privileged to be able to talk about her book and what that experience was like of publishing that. It's coming out. We're so excited to share it with you. Suzette, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So I'll use, I'll do my pronouns too, Suzette Mullen, she, her, and yes, I am so excited. We'll be talking about my memoir, The Only Way Through is Out. Lots, lots to dig into there. Yes, it's going to be great. To kick our conversation off, let's start off with our positionality, the identities we are bringing to the table for this conversation, but really for just this time in life right now. So I'll start us off. I am Elena Joy. Like I said, I am a cisgender woman. The pronouns are she, her. I am a white woman. I am a single mom of four. I am a lesbian, a later in life lesbian. And definitely my neurodivergency is at the forefront of my identity right now. We are recording this on a Friday at the end of a very long week towards the end of a very long year. (laughs) And I've learned it has been in this year that I've been diagnosed with ADHD and I've been relearning how to support my brain, which is a fascinating thing to do later in life. So Suzette, tell me, what is your positionality this today? Yeah. Yeah. So we have so many identities, right? And I think particularly as we get older, we 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 have even more identities. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I also am a cisgender woman. I am also white. I'm also a mom, a mom of two young adult sons. I um, am someone who has been divorced. I am now married. I'm married to a woman and a professional identity book coach, author, and yeah, and I'm somebody who came out later in life. I'm I'm a later in life lesbian, member of the queer community, and I'm both later in life in terms of my coming out, and I guess I'm just later in life in general. I'm in my now I'm in my early 60s, so I I identify as kind of part of the older wisdom of the queer community even though I'm still fairly new to the queer community. <laughs> kind of that Kind of that weird. In some ways, I'm still a baby queer, and in other ways, I'm not. So there's mm-hmm. there's all kinds of layers to our ide- different identities. Mm. 
I, I really appreciate that you feel, find some comfort and ease in the idea of being part of the wisdom of our queer community. Just on Monday, Tuesday, whenever it was, mm-hmm. I was speaking at a conference and it was being headed up by this couple who runs a business together. They're a lesbian couple who have been together since the early 90s. And just in the last few years, have they legally been able to marry and they've shared their life together for over 30 years. And I can't tell you what it did for my heart just to be in a Zoom room with them. You know what I mean? Like just to know, okay, back then in the 90s and the early 2000s, I was doing my thing and figuring my stuff out and they had already found each other and everything they have learned and the community they've created. It was just beautiful. And I feel like for me, you are in that bucket as well. You are someone who is willing to question themselves and their entire world and make the changes necessary so that they can find the beautiful, incredible life that they want to have. Yeah. And I think what's interesting, perhaps obvious, but I don't think we always think about it is that, you know, we bring, we bring every part of who we are to every Mm. situation. So here I am someone who is both seeing the world and now as a writer, writing from the perspective of someone who viewed herself as straight and who walked through the world with heterosexual privilege for over 50 years and then coming out later in life and becoming part of the queer community and being part of a marginalized community and seeing things that I just had no awareness of when I was walking in a very different life. So it's just, we, we all bring all of who we are all of these identities to every, every situation. And that's what makes life interesting. And that's what makes telling our stories interesting because we all have unique stories. So true. So true. And I think one aspect of your story that I immediately resonated with was it was early when we knew each other and you said something around, I thought I was the only one. And that just, saying in my soul, because that was a huge part of my experience feeling like I am the only human on the planet that is an ex-Mormon lesbian mom of four kids. I was just absolutely convinced. And the minute I found another one, my whole perspective changed. Then I realized, oh, we're everywhere. (laughs) We're everywhere. What was your experience of feeling like you were the only one? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a super common experience. And and now that you and I are on the other side and we've been part of the queer community, we've been part of later in life support mm-hmm. groups with hundreds and sometimes even thousands of, of women in particular. Those are the groups that we've been in for the most part. It's like it almost seems laughable, right? That you that you could feel that you were the only one. But when I was beginning to question my sexuality and, you know, was I gay? Was this just an attraction to this one woman that I realized I was in love with and all of the things? I literally did not know a single other person who had experienced what I was experiencing. I mean, I didn't know another person personally. I really didn't know another person, you know, out in the greater world because my world had been large. It was a heterosexual world. That was the world I I traveled in. And it was really 
a very lonely and a very hard place to be. And when I started, you know, Googling as that's what we, we tend to do, right. We (laughs) have this thing, like, is anybody, you know, uh, love falling in love with your best friend, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, how do you know if you're gay, you know, all of those (laughs) things that we, that we Google in the beginning when we're, when we're questioning and then you find out, oh, there are actually other people that are, you know, have, have asked those questions and there's lots and lots of answers. And then you start, you know, start trying to find those stories and connecting hopefully eventually with actual people and um, in my, in the only way through is out. I share about a, an online Facebook group that I connected with and pretty early on in my journey and the group had just really started. There were about 50 women at the time. And by the time five years later, there were over 2000 women in the group from all over the world. But that was a real lifeline just to recognize that, you know, all the questions I'd been asking, other people were asking the same questions and there were other people who were further ahead of me on the journey. And I could see that, yeah, I, I felt so stuck and so alone and hopeless and a lot of despair in the, in the early stages because I, I was in a, I had a, I had a nice life. I had a whole established life. This is the, this, you know, I believe coming out at any age has its challenges. There's not like, you know, there is <laughs> not ranked, like it's harder if you're this age or, you know, it's, it's hard and it depends on your context. But when you come out later in life, you have an entire established life and you, the, the thought of walking away from that, particularly if there's a lot of good in that life and the, the repercussions on the other people in your life, it's really, really hard. And to find other people who had walked that path was, was, was really a lifeline for me. Mm, It really is. You actually reminded me of a pivotal moment for me in my journey was you know, I glommed onto Glennon Doyle mm-hmm. and in, and I did for quite a while up until people started comparing me and my partner to Glennon and Abby. And that's when I was like, <laughs> and we're done. But at the time it was probably maybe six months out after I came out, I was very, very alone. I was reading about Glennon Doyle and I read an interview where she, someone asked her specifically about her sexuality. Now this was probably early in her days as well, early in her journey. And her response was, I don't know that I'm a lesbian. I think my sexuality is Abby. Basically saying that. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and at the time, oh, that resonated with me because I had never experienced a real attraction to another woman until I met my partner. But now that I've been able to deconstruct some of that internalized homophobia and practice some self-awareness, now I realize, oh, no, I am just attracted to women. (laughs) So, Yeah. yeah. It's funny. Yes. Yeah. All of those layers. I think that's, you know, I can't speak to the experience of, of younger people. I can only speak to my own experience and the later in life community that I'm really connected with. But I think that's a very common, a common journey is that there's an attraction to a a particular person. We call it a catalyst in the later in life lingo. And, and that awakens something in us that you know, I believe it's in, at least in my case was there all along, but it was, it was buried. It was, I was in denial because of all the reasons that you've shared the, you know, heterogeneous, 
That is such a, I've got to, I've got to learn to say this word without stumbling over it. Heter, heteronormativity and just, it just wasn't even on my radar. And I went through that, that questioning, is it just this person then recognizing, no, it isn't. And then, you know, coming to terms and then looking back on my life, of course, writing a memoir, you, you spend a lot of time in reflection (laughs) and thinking about your past and digging in and really examining the choices that you made. And I started seeing, oh yeah, it wasn't, it felt like a lightning bolt in my fifties, but it was there all along. And I could see really obvious times that I, I clearly was, a, there was an attraction to women and yeah, I right. just yeah. buried, I buried, buried, buried. And yep. so, you know, I know, I know. I feel like uh, I have not finished your book. I'm very lucky audience that I've been able to get an advanced copy of it and Mm -hmm. I am savoring it Mm -hmm. like, like that glass of whatever that you love that you just want to sip on. Like that is what your book has become for me because it has resonated so deeply and yet in a very comforting and safe way and not triggering. And I don't know if that has to do with your writing or my therapy, but (laughs) it has been such a good experience for me. It is the thing that I go to at night in the bath with. Yes, it is lovely. I love that. I feel like that has been for me a huge part of why I need to keep finding people like you, people that have adjacent stories to me that can validate and relate, but also open my mind up to their experience as well. Is that why you wrote this book or did you have ulterior motives? That's a really great question. So as you know, because you've also worked with me as a, I've been your, I'm your book coach as well as your colleague and friend. And the first question I always ask the writers I'm working with is why, why write this book? And when you really tap into that deeper why, it accesses a lot. It accesses what you really want to say. It accesses who your book is for. And there's a lot of levels of why. And so I'm kind of laughing that you're asking me that question. And <laughs> of course, I hope I can answer it in, um, in, in, a, in an eloquent way. So what I would say is, I think for me, and this is very true for many memoir writers, if not all, we first write for ourselves. We first write to, we have either an experience or a question or something that we feel like we need to, to wrestle with. And we've been wrestling with it. We've been struggling with it and we want to understand it. So we want to understand the past. So I had this experience of recognizing my sexuality later in life. And the question for me was, how did I not know this before? How did I get to this place? And then how did I get to a place where it was so difficult for me to, to make a decision about or take action on what I knew to be true for myself. So I first wrote for myself to really dig into those questions. And as I did that and got more clarity about my story, I recognized that I wanted to write the book or I was writing the book that I wished I had had when I was going through the thing I was going through. And that's also 
That's also pretty common. I don't know about you, Elena, but when I was, you know, in those early months and so of questioning, I, you know, looked for, in addition to all the Googling, I was looking for, you know, any book I could get my hands on that had a story that was like mine. And I did find a few, which was great, but there weren't that many. And I, I didn't find a story that was really, really speaking to my particular context. And this is another thing about memoir that I just kind of want to point out, both with my book coach hat on and also my my author hat on, which is that memoir really operates on two levels. One is the specific story, the specific context that is the things that happened. And like in my case, you know, my age, my, my marital situation, you know, the kind of life I was living and what was, what were the literal things that were at risk for me to step into my authenticity. So those were all my particular context, but then memoir also is tapping into what's universal. And so for me, what became and what I hope comes through in The Only Way Through is Out is that is about learning to listen to ourselves, learning to trust what's inside of ourselves, and and then to have the courage to act on it. And the, I think there's many, many people, and I would say, at least in my experience, many women who are afraid to take risks are, you know, have, have made safe choices along the way. That was what I discovered when I dug into my past and choosing to leave a life for a well-established life for a life that I had only been living in my head. And I really had no idea what it would look like. That was a huge, a huge risk. And I, I think that many of my readers are grappling with decisions like that, whether it's about their sexuality or coming out, but they're longing for something more. There's something inside them pulling them in a different direction. And it feels really scary to take action. Right. So I wrote, I mean, I wrote, I mean, I'll just sum up my, I don't know if you saw the acknowledgement. We, you know, dedicate our books to, people, a person or people. And I dedicated my book to every human who is longing to live out loud, but is afraid of the cost. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's a lot of us in many different ways, right? And I love how you touched on that universal theme of taking that risk and weighing that cost. Yeah, yeah, because it could be se- it could be orientation, it could be gender identity, it could be so a, a career change, it could be so many different things that is I want to live out loud in this way and yet there's this cost, there's this high risk and and I can only yeah. imagine what that possible future can be. So how do you weigh those costs, right? Like it's it is yeah. a beautiful thing to be able to get that complex journey on paper so that we can connect and relate through it. Here at Pride and Joy Foundation, our theme has been your voice, your power. And I know when you asked me that question as my book coach of why you and and why this book, and it did cause me to dig really deep. And the answer that I came up with 
fundamentally changed so much for me. And it was this idea, it's not even going to sound that powerful to anyone else. It was more like the power that I felt within myself was, I need to write this book to honor the woman that that was, that the the woman that went through that. I need to honor her because I've, I went really deep into being really angry with her at all of these regretful decisions, right? That I felt like it, she had been making. And, and yet, as I was able to start deconstructing and, and writing the book, right? From that premise of why this book, to honor that woman, the old me, you know? And from that premise, writing it, I was able to see all of these times this is going to get almost spirituality and woo-woo, <laughs> but all of these times that like future me was kind of le- leading the way and guiding mm. and like, this is the authentic path. And now I'm the future mm. me. Right. And so yeah. it feels like my job is to honor that woman who is doing the absolute best she could. And that has created such power in my writing, in my brand, mm. in my speaking in so much. Cause that bitterness and anger is not there. There's just reverence and respect. And that changes everything, right? So I have found incredible power in my writing that way through those questions. And I'm wondering how how has writing this book, The Only Way Through is out, how has that helped you to access your power? Mm, that's such a great question. And I want to answer it, but I <laughs> do... But I, I want to just, if, if you'll indulge me, I want to just circle back, piggyback off of something you just said. It really ties into, I think, what we were talking about at the top of, the, of our conversation about we bring all of who we are to our every encounter we have, to every situation, and to our writing, right? And I, and I, and again, I can only speak for myself. I have been asked and I've, I've been part of conversations of, of other people who've come out later in life about regrets. Do I, do I regret that I didn't come out earlier, that I didn't, you know, that I, I missed this whole authentic, all those years of authenticity. And I, that hasn't been where I've spent my time or energy for me. I believe that I, I came out when I was ready to. And I think, I I mean, I kind of believe that is true for, for most, if not all people, we, and we all are on different timetables and we're all going to be ready at different times. And I had a lovely life and I have no regrets about that lovely life I led. And I have two sons who I have a great relationship with. I have an ex-husband who I'm still friendly with and I had a whole life before and I feel very grateful that I am now stepping into, you know, Suzette 2.0 and it is a very different life. It is a life that feels, it does feel more alive for me. I feel more aligned with everything. And so I guess, you know, to, to circle back and answer your question, I could not have written a book. Well, I certainly couldn't have written this book before because I hadn't lived this experience, right? Right. And stepping into, for me, I wouldn't necessarily use the word power 
not that I disagree with that. It's just not probably the language I would use, but what Mm -hmm. I feel like is stepping into my fullness, stepping into, stepping into alignment with who I am and, and recognizing that I have a story that not only matters to me, that it matters, period. And, you know, we, we, in the queer community, we talk about representation matters. We talk about visibility matters. And I'm sharing a story of somebody who came out later in life, came out in her fifties, is stepping into a vibrant professional career in, in her fifties and now into my sixties. And i uh, the power is of just having the ability to share to share that story and that message and hopefully it's going to resonate with some people out there i mean i'm i don't know if you've seen niad which is no um, i've seen oh, that i haven't seen it yeah so i mean i i think there's a little bit of energy and resurgence around or maybe it's not a resurgence maybe it's a you know it's it's a first time but we're starting to see the more queer people out in the media and the world who are not in their 20s and 30s and are don't necessarily look like they're, you know, they're fashion models. And I mean, fantastic. I'm thrilled that we see all all ages and all sizes and, and all the things. But this is, we don't see, it's not even just in the queer community, right? We don't see a lot of representation and stories of of older people. And true. you know, I I'm still kind of having a hard time thinking of myself as an older person because of all of the all of the ageism, right? That we yes. we you know, we've we've had imprinted on us and and I am living my best life now and I am so grateful for it. And that right there, that visibility <laughs> and that perspective is what deconstructs that ageism. Right. To know that Suzette at her age is living her best life. And as good as my life is right now, it might not be my best one. And my best one might be at that age. And oh my gosh, now I'm excited for it instead of dreading it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, I mean, it's, you know, if you had asked me 20 years ago, of course, I was living a very, very different life, but I, I would not have probably said, oh yeah, in your early 60s, you're going to be living as abundantly and fully and you'll be as as alive as you've ever been. I want so, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want and, that. I, and you know, Elena, I mean, part of my story, and I know you've, you know, I don't know how far you are into the book, but I know you've read this because it was on page one, not to give too much away to your readers, but I can give away page one. Page one, I am, I'm married to man. I'm in this very nice life. And there's something, there's this restlessness. There's this knowing that there's something missing. And I'm watching my friends appear to step very fully into their lives. And I know I haven't done that. And I don't know why. And, and really, the the story I'm telling is that journey of going from someone who isn't living fully and doesn't understand why to someone who starts understanding why and then make some decisions so that she can live more authentically and fully and abundantly. I mean, that's the story. 
I feel like you have identified something that I'm going to be using in so many of my presentations, which is uh, many of us, when we get to even our 40s, we start seeing our friends and our peers acting like more of who they are. They they give less fucks. Let's just say that, right? Mm-hmm. Like they mm-hmm. just don't care. And so you see them, like you said, stepping into the fullness of who they are and having a really incredible impact, What even if it's just on their family, on their community, on the world, they are able to have that impact because they have stopped caring about what other yeah. people think of them, right? And when we aren't living in our authenticity, like you and I were in our 40s, we're not able to step into that fullness and make that impact. It's like we're swirling in this neutral state and not moving forward and not moving backwards because we, we've got this barrier of inauthenticity and it takes that catalyst or whoever or whatever that mm-hmm. catalyst might be to be able to break through that barrier so that we also, like our heteronormative peers, can step into the fullness of who we are and have that impact that we want to have on the world. Yeah, one of the interesting things that I've discovered is that I I really struggled with growing professionally in my 30s and 40s. I was an attorney. I left. I didn't I wasn't super happy with my work. I was a stay-at-home mom and I was searching for professional purpose and I really thought as the book opens, I think that that's the problem. I think that I just haven't found the the work I was meant to do in the world. And what what I've discovered in this journey is that when you're living authentically in one area of your life, it spills over into every other area of your life. And the same the the converse is true when you're not living authentically in one area of your life. It's very difficult to live authentically in the other areas of your life. And I know, you know, I know you can relate to this because look at, look at how your professional life has just, it's soaring and it's just, you're doing all the things. And I didn't really, I mean, clearly I didn't understand that connection before. And that's been super fun and powerful because I mean, I didn't just make a huge change in my personal life. I did that first. And then my, the professional possibilities and really stepping into what I believe I was meant to do, the work I was meant to do, just to write and write stories and to help guide other writers and in their storytelling. I mean, I love, love my work. And I this was not my life before and it is now. And it's just, it's pretty awesome. It really is. It really is. Suzette. My daughter walked into the office this morning at 6am and she was like, you are working. And I said, that's how much I love my job. And I hope you get to find something that you love that most. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we could talk. I mean, I could go down the rabbit hole of why parents need to hear that. Like parents Mm -hmm. need to see this is what we close off or we make available as we step. Oh, there's so much. Okay. Please tell us this amazing, incredible book of yours. How are we going to be able to access it? Tell us the details. Okay. Yes. So the only way through is out. I'm not sure when our, this, our, our um, podcast interview will be broadcast, but the book is going to be published on February 
2024. And that just happens to be Galentine's Day. And I mean, how does the universe do this? I had no control over the publication date. I, you know, I, I've got a publisher. They set the whole thing. I don't even know if they realize it's Galentine's Day. And I just think it's so hilarious. And I know I've shared this with you before, Elena, but the universe. So in, in the only way through is out, readers will notice there's a lot of really things the universe does or synchronicity or however you want to, however you believe, but there are things that are outside of my control and, and there's some mystery going on there. And I just have been riding along with it. I signed my book contract on national coming out day again, like that wasn't, I didn't say, Hey, would you send me a contract on national coming out day? It just landed in my inbox that day. But back to back to how you can find my book. So it's being published on February 13th, 2024. The only way through is out. It's available at all the major booksellers. If you, the best place to go, or I'd love people to go, and I'm, I think you'll probably put this in your show notes, is go to my website, Your Story Finder, and you can go to Your Story Finder backslash books. And there's a whole page there. They'll tell you all about the book. It will give you links to different booksellers. I'm a big fan of independent booksellers. So if you have one in your area, please consider um, using that. I've got a launch event happening in Lancaster, PA, which is where I live now. That is happening the day after Valentine's Day. And oh, one other thing. If you do go to my Your Story Finder books page, And you'll see on that page that I am offering, if you sign up for my reader interest list, which will just give you some more insider info on the book and tell you about events and all the things. I'm also, I've put together a kind of an insider companion guide called Behind the Scenes to the Only Way Through It's Out. And I think it's going to be really fun for writers and for readers to kind of learn there's there's some you know how we have movie outtakes and the, the scenes that yeah. didn't make it well yeah. there's some of that in this guide I don't want to give too much <laughs> away but it's it's pretty fun and I, that's something I'm I'm offering to people who join my reader interest list so I think it'll be fun to read alongside the book to kind of get a little bit more of you know a little more context for some things that just didn't make the final cut in the book Oh my gosh, I love that so much. I have to ask the question, did your publisher have any say in what goes into the companion guide? No. Well, the only thing my publisher said was that they didn't they didn't want anything in the guide that was also in the final published book because they don't want because because people are going to be able to access the guide before the book mm-hmm. is released. Mm-hmm. So what's kind of fun is that there's a few scenes there where I actually did lift a few sentences out of the scene that did make it into the manuscript. So in the guide, you'll see the actual full scene, but then there'll be a blank part where those few sentences are. And I've given you some kind of, it's almost like a scavenger hunt to try to find where where they are in the book and all the things. It was really fun putting it together. And if you're, I mean, I think uh, hopefully it's going to be fun for readers and I've got like 
you know, sort of special things for readers, but also for writers, each of the deleted scenes, I've really analyzed why I put the scene in, why I wrote the scene in the first place, why I ultimately cut the scene, and then some takeaways for writers about making those kinds of decisions. So it's really, it's kind of a, it's a fun guide, but it's pretty meaty too. It's pretty meaty. It's really, a, it's really turned into like a little ebook, a little mini ebook. So it's pretty fun. Friends, do you understand why she is my book coach? My book coach. Yes. <laughs> so I think it's very clear because all of that is brilliant. Like yeah. from a marketing perspective, yeah. from a human perspective, it's all brilliant and I love it. So yourstoryfinder.com forward slash books is where we will get that information and the ability to get that behind the scenes perspective. Yes. yes. And if you and if all you remember is the only way through is out, Suzette Mullen. You can plug that into Google and it'll pop up on all the major booksellers. But go to your independent bookstores if you want to support them because they're they're really important. Yeah. hundred percent. Thank you. Suzette, we got to wrap it up with our last question. So lately we've been looking into a lot of people in our community struggle with seeing themselves in the future, right? And mm-hmm. it results in a, almost a lack of planning for the future because we we just don't even know how to vision envision that, right? And so I really started asking my guests, let's start envisioning our future. What do we want? Who do we want to be in five years, 10 years? You know, who is that future? Suzette, who would you say your future is? Yeah, I was, I've been thinking about that. And I mean, the, the short answer is I just, I'd like to just kind of continue being the Suzette that has, that I am today. And, but more specifically what I envision, so say 10 years from now, when I'm in my early seventies, I don't envision that I'm going to be sitting on the couch eating bonbons or playing tennis every day. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But what I do envision is maybe I'll play some pickleball, which I really want to play more of. I just haven't gotten around to it. I've been too busy. But I I envision a life that feels spacious, that isn't... I, I recently heard Nadia Wolves Weber talk about being off the grind, not off the grid, off the grind. So I do envision a life that feels spacious where I am. I have the time to write. I would definitely... I have another book idea. I've begun to tinker with that a little bit. I'd love to be at least, I'd love to continue writing, publishing more books. And I have a community that you're part of called Write Yourself Out, which is for LGBTQ plus memoir and nonfiction writers. And that is still a a new community. So 10 years from now, oh my gosh, I hope that community is alive and vibrant and is filled with queer writers who are raising their voice and writing their stories and ultimately publishing books. So I'd love that. That's how I kind of want to spend my days. And maybe I'll even be a grandmother at that point, which would be fabulous, but that's not something I have any control over. And, you know, no pressure if my sons are listening to this podcast, but it, it would be nice. And yeah. And, and just staying engaged with the queer community. I mean, I think 10 years from now, I'm going to have 10 more years of experience, both, you know, living in the world as a queer person. And I'm already engaged in a number of advocacy efforts in my local community. And I mean, I, it took me so long to get to this life. 
that I really just want to continue living it. That's really what I want to do as long as I'm able to. That is, that's my goal. And I hope I have, I hope I have many, many years left to live that kind of life, this, this life. Mm. Connect me with that one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now that we finally have access and created the life we always wanted, we just want the privilege to go on living it. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Thank you, Suzette. This was wonderful. I'm so excited and proud of you and proud to be a member of your community. And I just am so excited for what 2024 is going to bring for you. It's going to be great. Hey, fam. The link to pre-order Suzette's book, as well as the bonus behind-the-scenes content, is in our show notes at outofcuriosity.com. Now, pre-orders matter a huge amount for the success of any book, as well as reviews on Amazon. And fam, the more successful Suzette's book is, the more doors will open for the next queer memoir, and we all benefit. So if it's within your capacity, we hope you will pre-order her book and send that message to the publishers that we need more queer stories. Thank you, fam. Be good to yourselves. I appreciate you.